It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. On this episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity, I'm going to bring forth a powerful name for the people of God. In Acts 3.25, we are referred to as children of the prophets. Let me paint the scene for you. This is the first message of the New Covenant era. Peter has stood up before a crowd of Jews that are gathering in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. The upper room encounter has just taken place. Cloven tongues of fire appeared over the disciples. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues, and they're preaching the gospel in the languages of many different nations, many different groups that have come to Jerusalem for the feast. And Peter declares to all of these Jewish people, you are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers. Now, of course, he assigned that title to the Jewish people because those were the two primary influences that brought that nation of Israel to birth, the ministry of the prophets and the revelation of the covenants. And like a man and a woman coming together in marriage, producing offspring, the flow of truth through the prophets and the flow of revelation through the covenants, married together, brought to birth the nation of Israel. And with hearts full of gratitude and faith, I'm sure Israelites on a daily basis would quote the prophetic voices that they held so dear, that they revered, that they respected, like Enoch and Job and Abraham and Joseph and Moses and Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and many others who wore this holy prophetic mantle. They were spiritual pillars who by divine inspiration upheld God's vision from generation to generation of the creation of a nation into which the Messiah could be born. And then from that point, this truth spreading out into every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Now that name, children of the prophets, not only rightfully rests upon the children of Israel, but it rests upon the people of the new covenant era for two main reasons. First of all, we have been grafted into Israel by virtue of the born again experience and have inherited all the titles and names that rested upon God's old covenant, holy nation. But secondly, the prophets of the old era who prophesied foretold many elements of the new covenant era and their ministry brought to birth this age of grace that we are participating in. And so we are very much children of the prophets, just as the Israelites who were in Jerusalem that day of Peter's preaching. How ironic it is that Enoch, the first prophet recognized in the Bible, 
is quoted for telling the last event that will take place in this age. In the book of Jude, chapter one, verse 14, he said, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000s of his saints. So that was God showing the end from the beginning, which is something God does quite often. In fact, the first prophetic utterance that was bringing forth the hope of redemption came from God himself. Right after the fall of Adam and Eve, God prophesied to the serpent the words that have been quoted so many times since. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and you'll bruise his heel, but he will bruise your head. So that prophetic utterance of a coming Messiah that would crush the power of Satan in this world was something that every sincere Jew held in their hearts. And every born again child of the Almighty God looks back to because that process of the crushing of the serpent's head began on Calvary when Jesus' heel was bruised, but it will end at the very close of this age when Satan will be bound in a bottomless pit. So it's a process. It didn't happen completely the day of the crucifixion, but it began the crushing of Satan's power in this world. Also, the great patriarch Job was prophetic in the way he said certain things in the book of Job. He gave such a powerful and admirable example of how to respond to suffering, but he also was known for his prophetic outbursts. Like at one point he said, oh, that my words were written in a book, that they were graven with lead in the rock forever, not knowing that would happen because the word of God is the rock and his words were engraved in the rock that is forever settled in the heavens. But he said, oh, that my words were written in a book, that they were, that they were engraved in the rock forever, for I know that my Redeemer lives. And he said, even though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, in my flesh I will see God, whom I will see for myself. Isn't that awesome? And so Job had that prophetic hope that one day God himself would walk on the earth and that wasn't fulfilled in the first coming because Job wasn't there to see him. It will be fulfilled in the second coming when the Redeemer redeems this entire world and restores it back to paradise perfection. If we are children of the prophets, we'll lay hold to prophecies like that and hold on to them for dear life because we know they are projecting us and launching us into future victory that is absolutely sure. Now let me go through some of the prophets, some of the prophetic voices through the old covenant era that paved the way for the new covenant to be brought to birth. For instance, Abraham was identified as a prophet in Genesis chapter 20, verse seven. And he was very prophetic in his generation because he preached monotheism in a polytheistic world. He was surrounded by people who worshiped idols, who worshiped multiple deities, but he declared that there was just one God. What a prophetic voice and what an impact he had. 
Also, he prophesied that he would have a child of Sarah who was barren, and for 25 years, he kept declaring that prophecy and fighting with that prophecy and laying hold to that prophetic word until it finally came to pass. And I'm sure many people around him thought he was foolish, thought he was out of his head, that it would not come to pass. God talked to him, sure. Uh, you're getting old, Abraham, 99 years old. Sarah is 90. You really think this is going to happen? But if God speaks to you prophetically, even if everyone rejects you, you've got to lay hold to that prophetic word and fight a good fight of faith with it. In fact, Paul later on counseled Timothy to fight the good fight of faith with the prophecies that were spoken over him. So God spoke to Abraham and he passed on that prophetic knowledge to his offspring and to their offspring and on down through the Abrahamic line. He told them, I'm sure many, many times what God spoke to him in the initial revelation in Genesis 12, where God said, if he would come out from his people in father's house and from his kindred and from the nation where he was dwelling, that he would make of him a great nation. And God said, I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing and in your seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, all families of the earth be blessed. That was a prophetic word that I'm sure he shared often, as well as the fact that God told him that his seed would be strangers in a land that was not theirs, where they would be oppressed and afflicted but afterward, God would bring them out with great substance. Surely they held on to that prophetic word that helped to keep them as a people full of hope for a better day. Then Moses, of course, was revealed as a prophet in his day. And over four centuries after Abraham, he prophesied the 10 plagues that fell on Egypt, that finally extracted the children of Israel from their enslavement. He prophesied that they would go out into the wilderness and hold a feast unto the Lord. That feast was at the base of Mount Sinai where they heard the audible voice of God. And then the prophet Moses went up into Mount Sinai that was engulfed in holy flames and received the 10 commandments on tablets of stone and transferred that knowledge to the children of Israel. He also received the Torah by divine inspiration. That was not just a new theological concept. That was prophetic revelation that he imparted to his generation. But he also prophesied of an even greater prophet to come. He said that God would raise up a prophet among them that would be very necessary to hear. And all of those who would not hear him would be destroyed. And you can find that in Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 19. And of course, that was a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll get to that more later. But what about other prophets in the Old Testament that prophesied of a New Testament era, a new covenant era? Like Jeremiah, the boy prophet who picked up on Moses' revealed truth about the Ten Commandments, but he prophetically lifted it up to another level 
when he said the same God that spoke from Mount Sinai and wrote the law on tablets of stone would one day write the law in the hearts of his people and in their minds. In other words, transforming our nature to love what God loves and hate what God hates. Not an external law demanding that we live up to its precepts, but an internal birth desire to do the law and to abide in a good conscience toward God. Jeremiah said that. And thank God that helped to shape the birthing of the new covenant when that very thing would come to pass. Ezekiel also foretold the availability of a transformational spiritual rebirth in this era that they did not have available to them in the old covenant time. He said in Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27, thus says the Lord God, he said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. In other words, instead of a stony, hard, rebellious heart, a sensitive, feeling, submissive heart, I will give you a heart of flesh. And then God said, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. In other words, because the Holy Spirit would be indwelling God's people in the new covenant era, it would have a compelling influence pushing us toward obedience that would give us a much greater strength than just the power of human will. And then Isaiah, of course, prophesied grand prophecies about the new covenant era. He said a virgin would conceive and bring forth a son and call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then a few chapters later, he said, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. And he went on to say the government would be upon his shoulders. In other words, the divine order, the government of God would be established in this world through this one to come, whose name is Emmanuel, God with us. And when he came, that was not just an ordinary man, even though he was that great prophet that Moses said would come. He was God manifested in the flesh. And the same God who spoke prophetically in the Garden of Eden and foretold the destruction of Satan's power now walked on the earth and prophesied the way to salvation. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And in Luke 24, verse 19, the scripture describes the Son of God as a prophet, mighty indeed and word. Jesus's death on the cross, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven paved the way for Ezekiel's prophecy in chapter 36, verses 26 and 27, to be fulfilled, where the Spirit could return on the day of Pentecost and indwell the hearts of God's people. So he made a way for this prophetic spirit not only to influence us, but to become part of our spiritual DNA. Because if the prophets of old prophesied as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit 
And if every child of God in the new covenant is born of the Holy Spirit, then we have a prophetic spirit within us. We have not only prophetic influence that shapes our worldview, but we have a prophetic transformation where we are of the same nature. The nature of prophecy should evidence itself in our lives often. In fact, during Peter's great Pentecost sermon, he quoted a prophecy from the Old Testament that was being brought to fulfillment right before the eyes of the Israelites that were gathered in Jerusalem that day. He said, these are not drunk as you suppose, because apparently the disciples in the upper room, overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, were stumbling around and looked like drunk people. But Peter said, these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out of my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. That's an all-inclusive statement. Anyone born again in the new covenant era has inherited a prophetic mantle. They have inherited a prophetic calling. He didn't say some of your sons and daughters will prophesy, all inclusive. He said, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So I have mentioned all of these prophets that foretold this era of grace we're a part of, like Abraham and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah. So they birthed in us through their prophetic word, the reality of what they said was coming. And so we are children of the prophets, not just in a physical sense, but a spiritual sense. A spiritual impartation has taken place. I know some of you may be shaking your heads thinking, I'm not a prophet. I don't have a prophetic calling, a prophetic mantle. But see, you are marginalizing yourself, I believe, because if that's your assumption, if that's your conclusion, you may have a very narrow view of what prophecy is. There's really three levels of prophecy, and every child of God should be functioning on the first level, and that is to declare the word under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's prophesying. And anyone on a day-to-day -day basis, witnessing to your friends, sharing the gospel with your family, talking to someone on the phone and saying, Jesus is your answer, you are prophesying. Because the Bible says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And you find that in the book of Revelation. So if you testify of what he has done, you're automatically prophesying what he will do, that's Revelation 19, verse 10. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now that's the first level of fulfilling this call to be a child of the prophets. And the first way prophecy flows through your life. The second is by declaring future events. 
by echoing prophets from the past who gave their original forecasts of what the future holds. I'm sure often you tell people what Jesus said in Matthew 24. You tell people what Paul said in his epistle to the Thessalonians about the events of the last days. You mention the 15th chapter of Romans uh, or rather 1 Corinthians where Paul talked about the resurrection of the dead, all of those prophetic insights into the future. And of course, that gold mine of prophetic understanding called the book of Revelation. If you're a lover of the word of God, you're constantly echoing what John said, what Paul said, what Jesus said. And you may not even realize you're prophesying, but you are. If you tell people Jesus is coming again, you are prophesying. Now, the third level of prophecy is the most refined, the most polished level of filling a prophetic role. And that's when you get significant insights from God yourself that are unique, that are special. In a dream, in a vision, a prophetic utterance comes to you and you speak that and share that to your loved ones in your church. Then you're functioning in the role of a prophet on one level or another, but you're functioning in a prophetic role. You may not refer to yourself that way. You may not call yourself by that title, but that's very prophetic in nature. If God gives you a dream, share it. That's very prophetic. The first dream I ever had showed the protection to me that we will have in the last days. The very first dream God gave me, the very first prophetic insight in a dream God gave me actually reached all the way up to the final time of this era. And I saw myself and another man of God walking down a city street where hundreds of people were rolling in agony because of sores appearing all over their bodies. They were in agonizing pain. But I looked again and saw that there was not one sore on me, nor the man that was walking with me, who happened to be Kent Sullivan, the man who won me to the Lord. Instead, we were clothed with the Shekinah glory of God that was radiating so brightly, you could see it from blocks away. And that goes right along, whether it's literal or figurative, with Isaiah chapter 60 where the prophet said, Arise and shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. Darkness will cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but his glory will be seen on you. And I've shared that prophetic dream many, many times. So I urge you, if God gives you something, share it. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 31, Paul said, You may all prophesy. Quit thinking that this is reserved for just a few people, elite persons that have a position of influence in the body of Christ. Maybe it's not as profound an impact, but you still have a prophetic calling. Also, Romans 12, 6 says that we all prophesy according to the measure of our faith or the proportion of faith. So, Faith goes along with prophesying. You have to believe that you have something significant to say, or you'll be very reticent. You'll be very reluctant to lift your voice. You're important. Your voice needs to be heard. Also in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 3 through 5, it talks about how prophecy should be for 
these three things for edification, exhortation, and comfort. So just because we're called with a prophetic calling doesn't mean we're called to be critics and judges. We're to speak in such a way that it builds people up and sets them free. Praise God. One of the most edifying and comforting prophetic words to utter is to repeat what the Lord Jesus Christ said in the beginning. Even though he was not known as Jesus then, the one who spoke to Adam and Eve and the serpent in the garden was the word that ever was God and with God in the beginning and manifested himself in the garden to the four parents of the human race. And he said to the woman, let me repeat it again. And to the serpent, he said, I will put enmity between you, speaking to the serpent and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he will bruise your head. Why don't you prophesy that over all the battle zones in your life right now, and then reach into Romans chapter 15, where it says the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly, and say, I am the fulfillment of that original prophecy, along with millions of other believers. We are in the process of bruising the serpent's head in such a way he will never recover. I have one last scripture to share with you, and that's Amos chapter three, verse eight. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? In other words, if you know God has spoken from Genesis to Revelation or to you personally, you've got to share it. Lift up your voices, prophets and prophetesses of God. This is your hour to shine. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.